This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello and thanks for joining us. On this week's edition of the podcast, we refer a lot to an interview between Katie Wolfe and Michael Gunner that was on Mix 1049 this week. To give you some more perspective about the things we're going to talk about, here's an excerpt from that interview. Thanks to Mix 1049 and Katie Wolfe. So these allegations are incredibly serious. Why did you treat them only as rumour and internet gossip when it seemed clear to everyone besides you that they weren't? So I reckon a couple of things here. Uh, I think it's not controversial to say an allegation without evidence is gossip. And I, and I still believe talking about whether someone is or isn't having a fair is gossip. And I, I think there's a lot of rumours out there and you've got to be extremely careful about taking things from gossip to public debate. And that's still going to be a principle of me, for me. What was extremely disappointing here was the lack of early honesty in about what what was going on. And even today, I think I'd struggle to accurately describe what what has happened between the member for Blaine and a private citizen, apart from the fact that we all know something has happened and there was there was absolutely a relationship and that relationship was inappropriate. But you've seen those text messages now and obviously you wouldn't describe that as a friendship. No. um, No, Katie, I would not. And um, having seen those alleged messages yesterday, I think it would be also fair to say that you shouldn't be able to deny remembering them or what the general contents or nature of them was and you should certainly be able to define what your relationship essentially was or you would know how to define your relationship. So for, for me, based off those alleged messages, there was no excuse for for there not being early honesty and receiving those text messages now that now that I have received them yesterday. Um, it was one of those ones, what do, I, what do I do with these now? These aren't, you know, pleasant reading. So I've sent them on to the ICAC for their information. Now, I don't know if the ICAC can or can't do anything in this space. I'm not sure there's actually been a breach of, of the ICAC Act, but I thought, give it to them for their information. I think as a as a government, we've done the things that we need to do in, in terms of the member for Blaine. Uh, he's been removed from office bearer positions and he's no longer welcome in the in our party room. But yeah, it'll be fair to say. So when did you see these messages? When did, your, when did you first see these messages? So the only... Yesterday, basically, was the first when time. When did your staff first see these messages? Yesterday. So, so you're telling me that at no point your staff had seen any of the content of these messages up until yesterday? Yeah, I think there's a couple of important points I want to um, clarify here because there's been some allegations around. Yesterday was the first time we received the messages as screenshots, as basically printed off the originals, and we saw them all. Uh, we've seen the ones that have been published in the paper, which was, you know, uh, be fair to say, uh, be fair to say, maybe pretty angry. That I'm reading these things in the paper, and that was the first time I'm reading them. But my understanding is that that the content of some of this had been put to your staff several days ago. I'm happy to get to that. Katie. Yeah, I'm happy to get to that because I got to that yesterday in the press conference too. So, NT um, Independent emailed us. And to their credit, they emailed us, on, I think it was about three-ish on a Monday. Now, for some reason, their server or my server, and this is a bit irrelevant in some ways, it came into us about noon on Tuesday, so just prior to, prior to QT. That message, that email, didn't attach any text messages or didn't attach any screenshots. The body of the email claimed to quote text messages. Um, we took that down to the member for Blaine and said, these are alleged text messages 
you know, in quotation marks, uh, and he denied those text messages. Didn't so, you at that point think to yourself, these are really serious, these text messages, though they may be alleged, I should actually conduct some further questioning and some further investigating in this space because it runs the risk of making us look incredibly bad this week. Yeah, so we, we had the same HR powers, workplace powers as any other employer. The the the. I was reliant on honesty here, really. So we had no access to the text messages. I couldn't go look at text messages. I had no ability to go look at primary source materials. I was relying but on But it a, was in that email. I was re- it was alleged in quotation marks. It wasn't attached. So what I've now received on Sunday is the actual printouts of the screenshots. And upon seeing those, you've deemed them so serious that they need to be passed on to the ICAC. So why were they not deemed that serious a week ago? Well, there's an important distinction here. A week ago, they came in... Um, in quite alleged, like they weren't attached. I think there's a significant difference here. It was in a body of an email with someone allegedly, someone who has. Yeah. Anyway, they came in the body of an email in quotation marks, alleged to be the text messages, and they were denied. I had, and so I was reliant at that point on. And let's be you know, clear: Manfred Blaine comes across very credibly, and he's an ex-police officer, and he was saying no, those messages are not true. And so I was in a position of trusting my colleague and teammate or or trusting someone who sent me an email claiming that these are messages but not attaching and why wouldn't you not attaching the original um, messages hello there welcome i'm peter gowers this is the territory story podcast weekend edition now available at TerritoryStory.com. Now, a bit of housekeeping before we kick off this week. Thanks for the feedback about the new website. Robin Smith, former guest and friend of the podcast, hit us up with some grammatical errors, which have now been fixed, I'm pleased to say. We also had a couple of people commenting that uh, they couldn't contact us or couldn't work out how to do it. Now, wherever you see my name or Leon's name on the website, it's in blue, which means it's hyperlinked, and all you got to do is click on it and you've got direct contact to us. Now that the housekeeping is done, let's introduce the co-hosts. Leon Logan Nathan, and from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, Mr Chris Walsh. Gentlemen, if this week has taught us anything about Territorians and about the Territory Story podcast listeners, sex absolutely sells. (laughs) Now, Walshy, uh, before we do get started, I thought it only fair uh, to give you the right of reply because uh, a certain uh, paper had claimed credit for breaking this story uh, a few days ago, and uh, uh-huh. I felt that you gave us a very good timeline of events when we spoke on the uh, weekend edition last week. So um, I'd like to give you the right of reply. Is the Bush Ranger being a little cheeky, cra- claiming the breaking of the story? Well, look, that was um, – it's such a complicated series of events and I, and I think that, like, you know, David Wood was saying today, I think that there's some sort of twist in the space-time continuum. You know, really, to, to, to figure out exactly what happened where. But, look, I, it's, it's really bizarre, and, and I can't, I'm, you know, I don't want to get into everything still yet, but let's just say that it was, yeah. I mean, look, we, we had the documents. They didn't have the documents. So that's, 
basically the biggest part here is that, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of went on some hearsay, but like I said, you know, Bush Ranger is a column that's been known to publish political gossip that may or may not be, you know, that's founded or unfounded at times. Um, And so that kind of kicked off this whole series of events. We, we can give them credit for that. But then you look before that, I mean, I'm I'm talking about this guy who drives around in a black Mustang who, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, an aged care worker at a senior's home who, um, who you know wanted to start dabbling on social media and he's actually the one who um who you know uh, stumbled into this whole <laughs> web of deceit you know that this guy uh, you know he gets talking to people he puts up something he has no idea about that's not even accurate or close to being accurate well there's there's some accuracies in it mm-hmm. and next thing you know you know the chief ministers in parliament being called a liar being accused of all kinds of things and misleading parliament and all because of, you know, like I said, it was it's this, this comedy of errors, this kind of Coen Brothers film with a bunch of idiots running around and from low places to very high, highly placed yeah. uh, officials um, losing their jobs. And we and we saw that and we saw who the uh, uh, who the senior chief ministerial advisor was who went down this week. And I think we'll get into that. But, yeah, it was look, it was it was everybody playing some weird role in this thing that uh that got it out finally and that uh that the, the, the public got to see what was going on and, and there were repercussions is that what makes it a bit more um i suppose groundbreaking and and newsworthy because there was so much going on around this story yeah it was it was a different kind of um of scandal compared to what we've seen before like i said last week this one it was particularly messy particularly messy it uh you know usually these things you you, you've got some some evidence that comes out some documentation and stuff people respond to it in this case we saw that uh that the gunner government didn't want to respond when we sent them questions outlining exactly the details of what we had and so um it dragged on it dragged on it dragged on you know there were there claims of server failures you know there was um uh yeah just just i guess you know allegations of lies being told in parliament at this point mm-hmm. like it was just mm-hmm. it's just it's still unfolding still we're still kind of unraveling everything here but uh it certainly was not a clean scandal and a messy one and i think you know it was something like eight or nine days on the on the front page of the nt news and that's remarkable because it was after like three days that the you know people were being you had to be sacked it had to be ended after three days this one went on and on and seemingly the you know the gunner government especially the chief minister himself with the accusations of the cover-up just continued to kind of bleed as uh, as it all went on and i'm still not sure he's recovered from it all so yeah just a, a wild one you think he will recover you think he'll you know remain unscathed and keep his job I think he's lost a lot of credibility in the eyes of uh, Territorians, and I think his handling of this was was pretty symptomatic or, um, uh, you know, in keeping with how this government conducts its business, which is to avoid scrutiny at all costs, um, you know, ban people, uh, run and hide uh, instead of facing it head on. And this is what what's what's caused him some skin, definitely, in this whole scandal. And Look, the only reason I think that he's still there um, is because, you know, there's no real challenger to him still. Like, even amongst all this where, like, and let's not, uh, you know, un- underappreciate the fact that, that the one of his foremost senior advisors was a guy caught up in this, right? And we'll get into that. But 
but that's pretty serious. I mean, that's like, he's only got four people around him. This was one of his most senior advisors who was wrapped up in all of this, who was forced to resign because he, he was being dishonest and wasn't upfront about things. I mean, that's serious. Anyone, you know, in a, in a normal situation politically, there'd be people agitating for a leadership spill there mm. over this kind of stuff. Right. And, and the way, and just the way Gunner handled it by this, this kind of cover up approach and being overly confident that there was no evidence, even though we had told them that there was evidence of, of something. Yeah. And so, but, but, but let me just say this about this and why that didn't happen. And I think what's come clear now by Thursday night, you know, uh, how many days are we in now to this? Like uh, 14? No, I don't know. Somewhere in there. Where, where are we at? 11, 12? I can't keep track anymore. Um, yeah, probably 11 days in. Um, there is, there's no challenger for him because and and i just think that this is true because they're all happy with their little cushy jobs like they're there's no agitation for change here because really they know what they're doing they've been doing it for four and a half years so i'm talking about like you know files or madison i mean you would think joel bowden would would have been agitating a bit there but perhaps he's been placated with something uh they're happy to just you know steady as it goes and let's see what kind of humiliation can further be thrown on the chief minister on this. And we'll all sit back. It's what his, his cabinet colleagues and caucus colleagues seem to be thinking. And, and yeah, I mean, why would they, why would they want the challenge of running the Northern territory and being the chief minister? They're happy. Just let them go out there, let them go out and humiliate himself every day now. And there's no change. Now what effect will that have on them at the next poll? I don't know. I mean, they, they're going to let this go on like this. I mean, I, I suppose that they all think that, you know, in the northern suburbs where they're all where the potential, you know, leadership challengers are, you know, Eva Lawler's name was also thrown out uh, this week and nothing seemed to come of that. She's, of course, out in the Palmerston seat, but they all seem to think that they they got a pretty safe bet here hmm. and you're guessing with public servants and stuff that they'll win anyway. So really, why, why, why are they agitating for a leadership change now? Yeah, so, I mean, just it's unusual, but it's anti-politics. Well, it was pointed out to us that uh, last week none of us took a cheap shot uh, over the use of the word significant, um, which is fair enough. But I literally uh, – uh, you talk about humiliation. I literally nearly fell off my chair when I heard the chief, uh, after giving a, a bouquet to the NT Independent, I might add, uh, <laughs> on Mix 1049, a little, little backhanded cheerio, um, backed up with uh, telling everyone that they'd received um, some information anonymously. <laughs> I literally nearly fell off my chair. So <laughs> clearly no one cares. Well, yeah, that that's really bizarre to say. I mean, yeah. Anyway, that look, that's what we gave him up front. We said, here's what we have. You know, you're talking about this stuff. The stuff has come out here. We'll let you know what we have. We want comment. And there was no, there was no reply. So mm. <laughs> it is what it gonna, is. I suppose. Yeah, it'll come back on him, I think. Well, should we kick off this week and uh, look at the news? And uh, look, speaking of the Ghana government uh, not liking scrutiny, uh, they've killed a motion to refer the chief minister for investigation over the ban on free press this week. So this afternoon, that's right, Robin Lamley, uh, the independent member for Air Lewin, uh, just before question time started, uh, stood up and said, look, I'm, I'm the order of business that she wanted to to uh, refer the chief minister to the privileges committee. Now, <laughs> you know, for his, for his ban on the anti-independent, which we've spoke about at great length on here with you guys. And, uh, 
we know that 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 he has you know violated the code of conduct and ethical standards act here uh she's called him on it finally you know this this thing had been debated in 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 the federal senate uh with the upper house passing a unanimous motion to um to call on gunner to lift the ban that actually included the support of the federal alp on that which was um you know quite embarrassing for michael gunner uh, on, on the federal level but it's never really been brought up in in the nt parliament before mm. uh you know this week last week and when the stories were coming home we were breaking things uh, nt independent was mentioned a lot more than it than it had been before um, but it was good to see, you know, somebody stand up and, uh, you know, I don't know why the CLP didn't do it, but it was good that, that Robin Lamley took that upon herself to say, no, look, uh, you know, enough's enough here. And this is, we've seen a good example of, of, of the importance of, you know, media and, uh, and, and the press coverage of governments here with the scandal unfolding and stuff that stuff that people needed to know about. And this guy, you know, continues, the chief minister continues to, to run and hide and then avoid scrutiny and mm-hmm. change laws when he needs to, or, mm-hmm. you know, get rid of oversight committees or, uh, you know, just ban the free press for no valid legal reason. In fact, violate his own code of conduct. So she called him on and now she got up and she, she started to, to read the motion and all the reasons why the chief minister needed to go to the privileges committee. Of course, the privileges committee would, uh, is kind of the disciplinary committee of parliament that would, be able to investigate and be able to come up with with findings of how uh, a sitting MLA acted inappropriately. And there's a, a whole suite of, I guess, you know, punishments and disciplines that would come from that. So she wanted him to go to that. She got up to do that. They cut her off before she was even done reading it. Uh-huh. Natasha Files, leader of government business, um, and said, no, that's it. We're just cut it. They, they, they voted on it. And uh, that was it. I mean, it's the second time that they had done something like this. But this one was even, at least on the last one, you know, Leo Finocchiaro earlier in the week was wanting to refer a staffer who allegedly threatened Josh Burgoyne in MLA. And they shut that down pretty quick. But this was was way quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't even get to finish reading the whole motion. And uh, they, yeah, they had so the gist they, of it by then. though. <laughs> well, I think they know what they've done wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, look, like she said, it was just disgraceful. Just that they can't even, I mean, they can't even sit through her reading a motion to Mm. show, to tell them and let let somebody say how, you know, how they've behaved and how their behavior is unacceptable. They can't even sit and listen to that. They're going to cut that off (laughs) Um, before, you know, and I understand that the CLP was ready to debate it, that they had, uh, they wanted to speak to the motion. Mm. They wanted to, to get it up and move it forward. And. No, the government just said, no, freedom of speech here. We don't need it. Wow. So let's, uh, let's give our, our listeners the benefit of a civics lesson, Chris. Yeah. Okay. So we know that parliament exists to pass laws, right, for, for the, uh, the good of uh, the people of the territory. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about territory parliament here. And so they get together in the government of the day, uh, introduces uh, legislation, it's debated, and then, uh, you know, uh, it's voted on. And if the votes are there, which they generally would be if it's the government, uh, it's, it, it becomes law. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the acts that was passed back in 2008 was the Legislative Assembly 
Members Code of Conduct and Ethical Standards Act 2008. Okay? And the preamble to the Act, which is basically the, the explanation as to what the Act is about, says, an Act to establish a Code of Conduct and Ethical Standards for members of the Legislative Assembly and to provide for the enforcement of that code and related purposes. Mm. Okay? Then Section 4 of the Act establishes the code, which is contained in the schedule to the Act. Okay? Now, the relevant part of the Act uh, for our purpose, or for the code, I should say, the relevant part of the code for our purposes is... Uh, clause 10 and clause 11, but particularly, I think, clause 10. Clause 10 says members must act in accordance with the principle of responsibility. This means members must endeavour to ensure that decisions reflect a proper consideration of all relevant matters, including the reasonably foreseeable consequences for those likely to be affected by their decisions. Members must also foster, by their conduct in office, respect for democratic institutions, rights and freedoms, and the principles of good governance. In particular, members must. Now, when you do law at law school, they teach you the difference between a piece of legislation that says must and one that says may. Must is called a directory, a, a, a directory um, provision as opposed to a, um, I'm just forgetting the, the words just gone out of my head at the moment. It, it, sorry, it's, a, it's like a mandatory provision. Must is a mandatory provision. Mm-hmm. May is a directory provision. In other words, may is, it gives you the discretion. Okay? You, you may do this or you may not do this. When a, legis- when a piece of, uh, when an act says you must do something, that is called a mandatory provision, okay? So here the legislation says, in particular, members must foster the following, respect for the institution of the parliament, respect for the rule of law, recognition of the value of social and cultural diversity, fairness and integrity in official decision-making, and here is part E, Freedom of reporting by media. Part F says the independence of the public service. (laughs) G says freedom of speech, H, access to justice. Now, we're not arguing about access to justice. We're not arguing about um, uh, recognition of the value of social and cultural diversity. I think the government bends over backwards to try and achieve that. What we're saying is, hey, Freedom of reporting by the media is a mandatory provision. You must foster freedom of reporting by the media. This is the code of conduct that exists in a piece of legislation passed by Parliament. It is law. Yeah. It is not optional. It's not an optional thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's here's the issue that I have. Um, when we can talk about him later, but Mark Turner was sent to the uh, was sent to the disciplinary um, the, sorry to privileges to the privileges yeah. committee, yeah. right? 
over his apparent misleading of, of Parliament by remarks that he made about the affair. Okay? Mm -hmm. The government voted uh, in favour of that motion being carried and he has been referred. This motion, which in my view is far more important, they didn't even allow a debate over it, let alone a referral to the Provincial yeah. Committee. I cannot understand how Parliament can not refer a flagrant breach of this act to the Privileges Committee. To me, this has brought this parliament into serious disrepute, serious disrepute. And I don't know how this ends, Chris. Yeah, or, or how to fix it, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely, just absolutely right about that, bringing it into disrepute. This is... A parliament that has no checks or balances, right? I mean, that the, as you said, the rule of law there, uh, you've got this code of conduct that, that, that's mandatory that they follow. And so what happens if they don't? What are the consequences? Well, guess what? There are no consequences here. Hmm. And that's what the NT parliament told Territorians today is that we can do what we want. And this is the government, not the parliament at all. Overall, I guess this is the government so we can do what we want. There are no consequences for our actions. So Fully expect, and you know the way that this has all gone down. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 the ICAC came out and said uh, that that you know they have findings that um, you know the chief minister acted corruptly. Uh, would that mean anything? Hmm. Would that mean anything? Like, say, you know, come up with anything you want. I'm not trying to slander him or anything, but it, just say that they came out with that. I mean, what? At what point do consequences happen for actions here? And then th this has been a whole problem in the territory for a long time, and it points to how broken this place is and how broken it's, you know, the, the fundamental institutions of this place are. And then today was just another example of that and of how it doesn't seem that the people who are in those positions that, that are supposed to be the caretakers of the institutions, that they don't even care about it enough to show people that they're doing the right thing. And, and let's not forget, you mentioned Turner being sent over to the Privileges Committee. It was the CLP, CLP who did it. I mean, Gunnar said that he misled Parliament, that he lied to him, that he deceived them. But Gunnar didn't refer him to the Privileges mm -hmm. Committee. And, you know, we go back into that whole that whole issue with the Privileges Committee. Now, as I recall, the, uh, the Independent Commissioner Against Corruption's report into Kezia Purek uh, where I think he recommended she should be referred there. The whole back of that report is about how the Privileges Committee has not done a goddamn thing for years here. That, that, that they've been, that they, in some cases, weren't even functioning. They weren't even having meetings. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, pick up a copy of Crocs in the Cabinet. Anybody could have been referred at that time for any reason, but they didn't do it. So this isn't like even that it's a, it's a one-party issue. This is something that's fundamentally wrong with the Northern Territory Parliament, that it's not functioning properly, that it has a board. It has a very important function to to ensure that there are consequences when MLAs breach a code of conduct, when they when they act without integrity, when they when they use the resources. I mean, this is almost this is this could be what it comes down to the corruption. I mean, the, he's using the resources of the public service by telling the public service not to contact us and to do other things that for his own personal gain. 
<laughs> I mean, if, 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 if that isn't a reason for him to be referred to privileges committee and to be investigated for this, I, I can't think what is. But yeah, they've just told us today that, that they're not open for business. And so what faith does anybody have that anything's going to come out of the Turner thing, too? I mean, mm. that would be the first meeting that they've had in like years, in over a decade or something, or close to a decade, I think, that the privileges committee has actually looked at anything here. I think it's longer than that. It might even be 12 years. I just don't know off the top of my head, but it's, it hasn't been functioning. It hasn't been serving its purpose. And today it was just a reminder of what a joke it is. If they did sit, who would sit on that committee? So it's Natasha Files, as I understand, is the chair still. Uh, Leon, are you familiar who else is on there? Uh, I think it was. Uh, well, I can uh, tell you that uh, someone was on there, but who may not be anymore. <laughs> Been dislodged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark Turner. Mark Turner was on there. Uh, I'm trying to think. There, there wasn't anyone independent on there. I think Leah Fanacchiaro, leader of the opposition, is on there. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, yeah, I'm not but sure it, who it's else. It's stacked in the in the. Uh, favor, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. But why so wouldn't do- this be independent? It doesn't make sense because the government well, is never going to investigate themselves in this situation. Yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, same with the Public Accounts Committee that we saw this week too, right? I mean, that one's not even – well, I mean, that one is so hugely important that you've got, you know, where, where there's scrutiny of government spending and they changed mm-hmm. that to make it so that there were three government members and only two non-government members now able to scrutinize. It was three and three, mm. but they wanted to have that power. And I mean, there are other parliaments in the world where, where, where it is the opposition runs that public accounts committee to scrutinize government spending, but not here. And that'll, and that'll never happen. And then, yeah, you've got the privileges committee that's set up like that. You know, uh, we talk about, I talked about Kizia Puric there and that report into her, you know, that she still hasn't been referred there. Hmm. really like yeah like and 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 she she was supposed to be referred there and then they said oh it's too close to election they did this whole report and basically in that report reading it was that we don't know what we're doing the privileges <laughs> committee has never actually met before so we don't know where the room is we're meant to meet <laughs> yeah we know where the paycheck we're in the sandwiches we've <laughs> been getting right. that all done um <laughs> and so and so they said okay well we'll bring it up in the next parliament well here we are six months into the Still next waiting. parliament and it hasn't come up yet. And mm. so she abstains, right? So I think a lot of people today, when that vote went down, it, it was 12-10 uh, to kill the motion, essentially. And Kezia Purek, the, the former speaker, the disgraced speaker, as I call her, uh, she abstained. A lot of people thought that that was because she hates the independent for revealing her, her liquor bill there, her, <laughs> her fondness for Boatshed Bay wine. Um <laughs> But no, she she abstained. I, I believe she abstained because she knows that she's going there, or she should be going there. Maybe she shouldn't be voting on other people going there. So because uh, she didn't she didn't vote for her to go there either. But you know, I mean, and then yeah, I mean, we just let her sit in there in Parliament too. I mean, after what she did, and uh, holy God! Well, like I think it. for the record, we need to name the people that voted against democracy today. Mm. Okay. Do you have that handy? You want I, me to I get do it? have that. He handy. sure does. Right. Good man. So uh, we start with Joel Bowden. Uh, Mr. Costa, who the heck is he? I don't know who he is. You can, we might be able to refresh my memory. Uh, he's the guy. He's a uh, member for uh, Tiwi, about Tiwi, Arafura, Tiwi okay. Islands. Yeah. Natasha Files, Michael Gunner, Paul Kirby, Eva Lawler. Nicole Manison. Is it Mark Monaghan? Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, Lauren Moss. 
Chansey Paik, Selena Yubo, and most disappointingly for me, Kate Warden. How is it possible that the bloke that the motion's being made against gets a chance to vote against it? How on earth, on <laughs> God's green earth, is that possible? That's a damn good question, mate. He should have abstained. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's already got it rigged anyway, but uh, be a little closer. So those are the people today in the Northern Territory Parliament that voted against democracy. And if you don't believe me, just read the act. Yeah. Mm. That's and, all you have and, to do. And can I say, though, just about Kizia's thing, too, I'm not trying to give her an excuse for not doing it. She should have voted one way or another and gone on the record on exactly where she stands on an issue that serious. This year is about, uh, about freedom of the press and, and yeah, the code of conduct and where it stands. She needed to take a stand there. You can't just abstain on that because you're going there next. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, sad day here for that, but it's not unsurprising. I mean, I don't know where the... the how how much lower the bar can get here? Really, they just but they keep finding new lows to, to reach every week, yeah. week after week. Let's let's dig a little deeper. Exactly. Yeah, damn. Keeps yeah. us in a job anyway. Yeah. Well, 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 they're trying to they're trying to screw me out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, following on from that, or, or sort of winding back from that. Um, we have obviously the ongoing story of falling out, falling out from Mark Turner, uh, but you say here that Michael Gunner blames server fault for damning uh, the email delay or damning email delay, uh, and therefore he didn't get the messages you apparently sent him. This is what was remarkable for me this week. Like you know, last week we talked about that, and I was telling you guys how, how why is he so confident? that there's no evidence that there's you know he, he kept saying that throughout the first week of this thing and i kept thinking like you know we told him what we had in these messages and, and that these messages contained references to drug use and you know and that the and the cocaine use even and that you know whether or not any of that was was damning enough but it was there and he was aware of it but he you know pretended that he hadn't seen it and i found that like so so strange but so what happened was just going back a day, I think it was on Saturday. Uh, that must have been, yeah, it was must have been Sunday now. He, well, Saturday they come out and they give the anti-news a statement on it. And this is an unnamed spokesman who said that we knew about this or allegations around this, you know, the cocaine, so-called so cocaine sex scandal since February 2nd. And the chief minister knew about it from about February 8th. And... Uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're saying that they knew this. Uh, I thought that that was very odd. That was very strange, but they were trying to kind of get in, in front of that. Uh, but I realized, you know, when he puts out the statement on Sunday and he says that he, uh, that he, exactly when he became aware that Turner was lying to him, we started to see this in a different light. And, and he was saying that he didn't know of anything uh, Michael Gunner saying that he, that he wasn't aware of anything and that wasn't aware that Turner was was withholding and denying the existence. This is what this is what Michael Gunner said in the statement. He said Turner deceived him and his team by quote withholding and denying the existence of text messages 
He had exchanged with the private citizen until, quote, shortly before Turner admitted the affair in Parliament on Wednesday night. Now, that I knew not to be true, that that was that that. Well, look, he may have withheld it and denied it, but we went to Michael Gunner on Monday afternoon. I checked the email at 3.36 p.m., 48 hours, more than 48 hours before Turner got up and did that. uh, And we said, here's what we have. Do you want to comment on this? Do you need an extension of the deadline um, of a deadline here? Like, this is pretty serious stuff. If you get in touch with us, we'll extend the deadline. That's how mm-hmm. it was worded. If you get in touch with us, we'll extend the deadline. Mm-hmm. They didn't get in touch with us and we didn't hear from them. So I do this story on Sunday saying, look, you know, we have irrefutable proof that we sent this email at 336, including we've we've told them everything that we had that was concerning and they just ignored it completely. So Gunner then comes out on Sunday. Um, well, look, I should just explore this a little bit more in that he's on, you know, he was saying that he was, he told the NT News in the statement that he had given to them on Sunday that he was satisfied that, you know, everything was dealt professionally and appropriately by his team. And then he says, had the two former members of my team been honest and forthcoming earlier, we would have handled this differently. And this yeah. would have included acting early and publicly. Yeah. Well, we've given him that opportunity. We told him what we had. Yeah. And, you know, I think he was complaining. I think he had said something. Well, look, we'll, we'll get into that. But I just find that really weird in the contrast there about how, you know, he satisfied everything was 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 handled properly, except for these two guys lied. But, they, you know, there's still no yeah. evidence of any cocaine use or anything. So, you know, they only lied about this one thing. They wouldn't have lied about this other thing at all. I mean, he's got his team lying to him. In fact, he's got one of his most senior advisors he's admitted lying to him. And he and he thinks that they're only lying about that, but they'll tell the truth about other things. It's, yeah, and he, 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 on radio, he seemed to suggest that had they told him, as you just said, and I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it certainly very much came across this way, had they told me the truth, then we would have handled it. Which I thought, well, hang yeah. on. W- once you cross a certain line, the truth's irrelevant. We want to know the truth, but the truth is illegal. So, how do you handle that? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Peter. No, exactly. It's good. Good point to go back to there. Look, I think it was around this time, so so that they took them in after we we made them aware of what we had. And now this is where it gets really bizarre, right? So so we told them. We told him what we had. He, he didn't seem to believe us, but they seemed to have brought in Mark Turner and the, the senior ministerial advisor, we can say, a guy named Kent Rowe, and we'll get into him and his issue in a bit. But brought these two guys in, uh, asked them if, if, if what you know, Chris Walsh had sent them was accurate, and they both denied it and said, no, that's just not true. And so Gunner said, oh, okay, see you later, guys. <laughs> Even though he, he he knew about this from February eighth, he knew that there were rumors. Apparently, Gunner himself and his team before that, yeah. right? So some things aren't yeah. adding up. Now, here's where it gets even more cloudy and and just nt crazy. Uh, Sunday afternoon, Gunner's out to celebrate the the vaccine, uh, the first shipment of the vaccine coming. Mm-hmm. This is his favorite subject. He gets yes, to go did. up there. I'm surprised it was him because uh, you know, secret press conference. We didn't know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, Matt Cunningham went along and said to him at one point, Chief Minister of the Anti-Independence reporting today that you were made aware of what they had back on the Monday before the Wednesday that you claim. And he says, oh, it was a very important question, you know, and he says what he says on radio. But 
he's, he then says that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a server fault. <laughs> The, the, yeah. the computer messed it up, that, that he didn't get the email in time. No. Computer says no. <laughs> like, look, politically, in the middle of a scandal like this, that, that's an unwise thing to say. Let's, <laughs> let's even assume that it's true. Let's assume that it's true, Yeah, which yeah, I think is a step far, but let's assume it's true. It's still, nobody's going to believe that. Like, they're all going to laugh yeah, at you, yeah. Michael. They're all going to yeah. laugh at you. And I, and I think that's what people did. So he said, that, look, we didn't get it. Uh, you know, it, it, it was the next day or something is, and then, yeah. And then they moved to, uh, to question him. Um, and, and that's just when he gets, and he says, I was relying on honesty here really. And we had no access to the text messages. So that's what Gunnar says on Monday morning when he goes out on, on mix. I don't know what he means. And he says, I had no ability to go look at primary source materials. He did. He could have called me. So he's, he could have emailed me back even on that Tuesday after the Monday that I sent it. And his claim was during that interview that although the text messages were received in quote marks, that he couldn't rely on that. So he actually <laughs> has seen them and then denied seeing them, which is why I think the server argument doesn't stack up yeah. because you can't have two excuses for the same action. It's one or the other. It is. That's such a good point. That, that, that's why their whole communication strategy and this whole mitigation of damage here has just been so poorly executed and so poorly mm. run. Because of that, you, you come up with something and stick to one thing, two things. People yeah. don't believe that. It's absolutely right. And yeah, so, you know, a good question from Katie Wolf that I actually put in the story on Monday because I thought it was good. And, and let me just say this, too, that I think that that interview she did with Gunner was by far the best interview she's ever done. And and the way that she got on top of that interview and took control away from Gunner. Yeah. So, you know, they tell him, keep talking, keep talking. When you get asked a question, keep talking, keep talking. She would cut him off. But the next question, it got to where it was one word answers from Gunner, which yeah. was actually very effective because she had so many questions to grill him <laughs> on. And he, yeah, she did a really good job of that. And then that was impressive. So she says at one point, though, he said that, that after he had obtained the messages, that he sent it on to the ICAC. So he finally gets these anonymously on Sunday, though he could have got yeah. them at any time by emailing us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, then, he then finds them, and he knows what's in them. He knows because I told him everything that was in there that was you know, damning, that, that, that warranted going to the ICAC, I had told him about, this is what is in these messages. Get in touch with us. Send us comments. You know, We'll extend the deadline if you need time, whatever. Didn't want to take us up on it. Wanted to continue this this silly ban that's really come back to bite him. So so Katie says, "All right, look. Upon seeing those the, the messages, you deemed them so serious that they needed to be passed on to the ICAC. So why were they not deemed so serious a week ago when we <laughs> yeah. told them about them? Yeah. But he thought he could cover this up. So he goes into Parliament and like I don't know if he thinks that like nobody reads us. Like I mean, he clearly reads us. I mean, he <laughs> reads us all the time. Yeah. But like, did he think that we were not going to run anything? I guess maybe he thought we were bluffing. I, I don't know. Like I, but I told him like at any time he could have seen it. He could have just asked. But this this whole ban on us. I mean, this is where it looks really stupid. So, mm. well, I mean, in, in every way it does, but in this one, it's really biting him. So. Anyway, look, he's, yeah, he continues to, to, to backpedal and try and say that uh, he didn't know that they were there. Um, they weren't screenshots, but then it's so serious that, uh, that he sacked uh, Turner from caucus, which happened this week. Uh, 
and uh, well, sorry, late last week, and uh, and the staff are resigning. So, and then just the follow continued, right? More messages started coming out this week, and mm. uh, yeah, I think that's where, so where we're going next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I guess so. Um, you've, we've alluded to him a few times, but a, a senior NT government official. Uh, has been sacked due to dishonesty, and uh, obviously his role in the whole cocaine sex scandal brought him down as well. Yeah, so this is, um, you know, you know, and upon reflection of everything here, I mean, this guy is a pretty big deal in the Labour Party, certainly in the anti-territory Labour Party. Uh, so Mark Turner, you know, he's a uh, he's an MLA, hasn't been around for very long, a few months. Uh, he finally gets outed. Now, everybody stays very quiet around who this senior fifth floor staffer is, right? So we know it's Mark Turner's caught up in this. We know that there are allegations. We don't know what's true, what's not. We know that the police are investigating. I think that's important. And I think that, you know, that we, we know that the ICAC's been made aware of it. So I think that that's important. And so, uh, even though Gunner thinks it's not important, at first, he says there's no evidence. And then when he sees it, he sends it to the ICAC and the police. The police saw that yeah. evidence before any of us, and they they started investigating. So it's clearly serious. Anyway, so Turner gets outed and uh, and 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 sacked from caucus. His political future, you know, we still don't know. But there's this other guy on the fifth floor, and there are all these allegations going around. And you know, like I have friends up there, people that I know up there, who said, you know, like we're all being hard by this like everybody yeah, yeah. is being accused like when we go out in public people are like oh yeah you're the ones who are doing all that weird stuff and <laughs> you know it, it got to a point where and you know michael gunner even said this in, in parliament this week and he said that he went up and had a had a you know look meanwhile there's all these allegations that of cocaine use just being rampant up on the fifth floor mm. and uh and uh the gunner admits this week that that he was aware of allegations of cocaine use, but that there was no evidence that ever proved anything. So why would he do anything about it? He hadn't seen any on the desks up there, so he was uh, comfortable it wasn't happening. Well, I'm sure he got an email, or maybe that email got lost from somebody who said, I have evidence of cocaine use. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff. Like, email me back and I'll send it to you. And he said, no, nah, there's no evidence of anything. Uh, so, but look, so this has been going on for years. And, you know, the police are investigating, of course, this whole incident and this whole scandal. But as far as that goes, as far as I know, that does relate back up to the fifth floor. And there's, you know, reports that there have been previous investigations into stuff and drug use up there. And, and Gunner's even admitted that he knew of allegations, but that mm. there was no proof. So these questions start to swirl. And, and so who is it? I mean, who, who who's involved? Why isn't Gunner saying that? I mean, Gunner wants to yeah. clear the air for all of his other employees and say who it is. Say who it is and say that, you know, there's there's a, a system of, uh, of justice here, a legal system that will go through if there's any charges brought or anything. Not that there is. So, And he still says there's no evidence of any wrongdoing of this guy. So and then just name him. Just name him <laughs> and then clear the yeah. air for everybody, but he won't yeah. do it and he won't do it. And we think like, okay, so, you know, why won't he do it? I mean, he knows, they know, Turner yeah. knows, the, the the bondage mistress knows, you know, that they're all having, that the two of them are having to do it. This is the bit that I, I wanted to ask last week and I was just a bit, uh, uh, a bit sheepish to do so, but I was trying to work out whether the, the romp, let's call it, w was involving just the one lady and the 
however many fifth floor staffers and MLAs and what have you. That's look, yeah, that that hits on something that like has still not been made clear in any of this, right? Mm. It's it is that becomes this kind of rumor, you know, and, and fair enough that there that there was some sort of big party, and we've seen messages from Turner and from Kent Rowe that. There was a, a hookup. There was something that happened that night. That much mm. we know. We don't know if there was cocaine involved. No evidence that we've seen yet that, that proves to that. So, or the points to that. So, yeah, look, and, and I don't know what happened that night. Um, mm. I think that that'll, you know, probably come out as part of investigations. But what we do know is that, 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 that these messages existed, that they carried out these affairs. And why isn't the Michael Gunner? telling us who this who this staffer is and and, yeah. and then it is it just a low-ranking staffer well no so we did the story on uh, on tuesday and we revealed that it's in fact kent Rowe, uh you know former labor party secretary and essentially yeah. really the guy who who had who's had so much quote and influence in the labor party for the last 10 years you know a better part of the decade that you know, he's credited with the 2016 and 2020 election wins for the party. I mean, he's a he's a pretty big fish in the in the Labour Party. And not not only that, not only that, but because of the 2020 win, he gets credited a lot of credit for that. They bring him into a senior role on the fifth floor of parliament where he is one of four of Michael Gunner's most senior advisors, the people at the table with him, mm. advising him on everything that he does. Kent Rowe has become that big and has put in that much time with the party for that many years that he is now at the table, at the big boy table. So <laughs> um, I think that it is very much in the public interest that, that that he's named and we know exactly what's going on here. And this guy, like I said, is a bigger fish in the Labour Party than Mark Turner is, yeah. let's be honest. And his connection with Gunner is substantial and influential. And, you know, this, this stuff about how, of what was going on here. I mean, he's, he really compromised his position, it would appear. And this is, you know, we see the messages that come out where, you know, I told you guys, I alluded to this last week. I said, you know, one of the idiots involved here is, <laughs> is a guy who paints portraits of dead dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys had no idea what the hell I was talking about. Loves it, apparently. I'm still, yeah, I'm still not sure. I know what the hell it is on Dog <laughs> and I'm not saying that. And I've seen the paintings, and oh, man, I hope he's, yeah. he's he gets a better job somewhere else because he's not going to rely on that stuff. Um, it's terrible, but but the other stuff that he does, I mean, there's some some talk about, about you know, um, turning the woman says, oh, we should turn this mystery mall into like Amsterdam, and he's like, yeah, really cool, let's do it. <laughs> and you gotta realize like yeah, and you're like you're the cheap but there's no drug use <laughs> yeah well no and then he says that, that he you know smoking marijuana uh That's yeah i do a lot of weed he said i started a week ago no the woman said i do a lot of weed sorry he <laughs> says i started a week ago and then he says weed makes me mental not really my thing and then she says well let's turn this mystery mall into a decriminalized zone he says yeah that'd be cool i think it should be and so then he goes to the coach and uh, let's say pulls a Barrett and uh, <laughs> takes some photos. Uh, Jesus, and I won't get into all of that, like with the other stuff um, and the comments that are made. Anyway, look, this guy's married, uh, has a couple of kids. Uh, 
This is an issue where, when you know, some of the questions that we had sent early on on that first Monday, February fifteenth, was around: Does he, um, you know, does the chief minister think that he's compromised uh, his position here and made himself susceptible to blackmail mm. in this instance? Because I mean, he's at the table, so who's to say somebody doesn't see this and come up and say, "Hey, I want support for my project." Uh, if you don't get the chief minister's support for it, well, those photos of you are going to be all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then that's, yeah, that's just, you can't, you got to be smarter than that. Now, here's the part that really upsets me about this. And, and this is where I don't think anything's been resolved. So let's say, you know, we're still kind of cloudy on exactly one gunner found out of, 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 of what, what was in there and when they took Kent Rowe and uh, Mark Turner into uh, a meeting but he did, he did reveal that it was his chief of staff and his deputy chief of staff who questioned them, and the both men had denied it, and Gunnar was satisfied with that, and apparently the, his two underlings were too. Now, those two people, the chief of staff is a woman named Emily Bearsford Kane, and we've spoken about her before on here, and I told you guys who her husband is. And her husband is a guy named Callum Harding, who worked for a company called Infrastructure Capital Group. In fact, he may still, I don't know, but they kind of shut up shop here and left town after this hugely embarrassing little screw up it involved <laughs> it involved them saying doing the due diligence and recommending 10.5 million dollars to anti beverages for taxpayers mm-hmm. and this is for a company that was on the verge of bankruptcy we now know yeah. so this guy this guy did that but anyway so his wife is Emily Bearsford Kane who was Natasha Files's chief of staff who after Elf Leonardi got sacked she she became Michael Gunner's chief of staff. So she's one of the people looking into this. The other person is a guy named Chris Grace. Chris Grace has been around in the Labour Party a long time. Um, you know, he's he's one of these guys uh, with Kent Rowe who grew up in the party. They were young Labour, um, have worked their way up. We're best friends. I mean, they're all family, really. I mean, they all have parties at the same house every weekend. Um, oh, oh, dear. And uh, those sort of parties, I hope. Yeah, well, look, I, uh, I don't know. Um, no, I think their families are involved in these ones, the ones right. that I've seen anyway. Mm. But, uh, but look, so, so, so Chris Grace is a very close friend of Kent Rowe's. So you've got the two people, and now, like, right under those two positions is Kent Rowe anyway. So you've got the, the chief of staff, deputy chief of staff, who's his best friend, and they're questioning him about this. So what does Walsh have here? What, what is this? And he says, no, nah, it's nothing. <laughs> and they say, yeah, okay. Okay, Kent, it's nothing. We believe you. That's, I guess that's the end of the story. No, no sense asking Walsh what he has <laughs> and saying, like, hey, can we get the actual copy? So um, I just find that to be remarkable that they would do that, especially when they knew of all these rumors or something and all this innuendo of the, the cocaine and the sex and the, everything that, that was being thrown around there that they just went in and asked him and he said no. And they said, all right, that's fine. So and, and 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 what kind of investigation is that when your best friend when you send the yeah, guy's best friend exactly. to ask the questions? But this is how the gunner government operates. We've seen that publicly. This is how they do it privately and publicly. They just shut down debate around you know motions yeah, that yeah. would hold them accountable. So yeah. uh, look, so look, this it's humiliating for Kent Rowe and his family, and you know that's unfortunate. We we named them. And we went out there and we did that. We're not, you know, implying anything else. It's in the story, everything that we're saying and that we've seen in the messages is in the story. Um, then the NT News came out and did it. And then the ABC, for some reason, said that they weren't going to for legal reasons because he'd been named in Parliament. 
they were under no legal obstacle yeah, yeah. to do it because it did come up and was and was the subject of discussion in parliament so <laughs> um yeah uh it's hugely embarrassing for the labor party overall and you recall that aaron early one of those first days the, the president of of labor came out and said that the gunner needs to explain and, and hope that the party hasn't been damaged in this. But when you've got, you know, such an important uh, party figure and really power broker there being caught up in all this, it's not a good look for the party. And, and it's certainly not a good look for the chief minister and his office and senior advisors. So mm. yeah. yeah, that's, I think that really hits home for gunner that, that, that hits really close. That brings him right into the middle of this whole scandal. And I don't think that he's kind of, handled that and, and perhaps it goes to further explain why he didn't come out on this was that he was hoping it would go away he's hoping he'd protect his good yeah, friend yeah. And, and let's not forget the camera's a good friend of his too so yeah anyway that's yeah ugly stuff but had to be reported i think the other thing with that too chris is that um you know ideally i would have thought from a party point of view because of the situation with the nt independent they'd be wanting to say, well, they don't exist anyway, so their word doesn't mean anything to us. But as soon as he came out on radio and credited you guys, he's put you in the frame as being legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, again, like we, we talk about his messaging on everything. I mean, he lets things slip that are true in amongst things that he's, you know, trying to spin. And uh, some of those things that they get through, he probably regrets later. I don't know. I think you know, there are ways to check certain things. And, um, yeah, we're in the process of doing that because, you know, like I think it was somewhere during the week early on, that I think Lamley said that the cover-ups worse than the crime. And in this, in this case, there may have been crimes committed after the fact of the crime. Like we yeah, just don't know yeah. exactly how far this has gone now. And mm-hmm. yeah, had they been up front, had Gunner just said, here's what I'm going to do. Let's, this is pretty serious. Uh, you know, and the police thought it was serious enough to investigate, but this is serious enough. I'm, we're going to do an independent investigation and let's just get this out of the way here right now. Mm. But instead he was playing games and, and he was playing games when he knew that there was evidence out there circulating. So just bizarre. It's just going to get, and it's going to get weirder and weirder too, guys. Can I tell you that too, without saying anything that we do have yeah. some other stuff that's going to come out. And I think what, what that's going to show is how deep the, the collusion to kind of cover it up went. Mm. And we'll, we, we've got some stuff now, and it will be coming out uh, very soon. Hey, I'll tell you what may not be a crime in the eyes of the law, but it's a, it's a crime it, to read it in your eyes, is the content of some of those text messages. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, look, that's not even the worst of it, can I say? Like, right. there, there's some stuff that's even worse that I thought now, but some wow. of it, you know, you need to – you need to paint the picture of exactly yeah. this, you know, what's going on. And the whole painting of the, of the dead dogs thing, there, there, there is this photo of it. Um, Owen uh, Pike knows about this painting. And, and, and I said, oh, you know, I, I would be interested. It's a terrible painting, but it's really become a, a piece of Territoriana, if you will. It's become <laughs> a part of, you know, the poli- yes. anti-politics and the latest political sex scandal and we'll call it exhibit a <laughs> yeah, well that might be but you know it's, it's 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 yeah it's become an artifact of this uh mm. of, of the latest sex scandal i heard that there was a bid out on it for three thousand dollars <laughs> so, really? yeah wow. so it's gone up and it's it's not worth that but um anyway wow. because of the significance there and yeah um 
just bizarre though. Yeah, really bizarre. <laughs> but it's got to be if it's an anti-political scandal. So. It does. Yeah. Uh, talking about bizarre, um, poor old Mark Turner gets uh, sent off to the disciplinary committee uh, over accusations of misleading Parliament. But what was particularly interesting about that for me was that young Labor came out and said uh, that, yeah. uh, uh, that, that this was all a storm in a teacup and Mark Turner had done so much for the Labor Party that he, he should be left alone. Yeah, that was a little a little odd. I think that story came out that letter that they wrote around the same time we were running the story on on Kent. Um, excuse me, but it it yeah. One of the reasons that the young Labour said that they had for uh, for calling on the party not to expel him was that he uh, you know he's a good guy, brought young people into the party, and he supports legalizing marijuana. So we get back into this, this whole thing where where we got to yeah well look yeah in Canada it is but so you know but do we get back into this debate I mean what what is going on there but uh, you know is this in the, is does Labour have a secret marijuana agenda <laughs> starting to look like that <laughs> and like but it's like stupid just come out and talk yeah. about it but uh, anyway look they they also said something that. Um, that they wanted, uh, that they were asking, they asked Aaron Early uh, not to, not to, to sack him from the party, expel him from the party. Um, there, there were insufficient grounds for that because he, he just all that's proven is that he carried out an extramarital affair at this point. Um, and they, but they said, they also asked her to quote, assist us in our search for our parliamentary leader's vertebrae. <laughs> so yeah misspelt that but um but uh yeah wow so you've now got young labor criticizing michael gutter i mean his leadership <laughs> was really taking a beating i mean the opposition mm. and independents were saying he covered stuff up uh the young laborers came up here and said that he doesn't even have a spine he has no backbone he can't lead <laughs> properly wow. uh yeah um and then and then to which you know gunner for a guy who says he was never how do you put it climbing into the gutter mm. uh through all of this so and climbing into yeah, like, yeah. it suggests that he's below the gutter coming out from the drain <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so but he gets asked about it in parliament on tuesday and he says yeah it was written by kids we should stay focused on memes and not the important decisions. Let the adults ah. make the important decisions, which you got to think the kids, the kids wouldn't be happy about that. And the kids aren't, aren't so kid-like either. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, like still in their, in their thirties probably or something. Um, so is he just, uh, is he just sideswiped uh, a significant uh, part of his constituency? It seemed like it was all imploding around this time, Leon. Like, you, you know, you had that come out. You had Gunner's response, and Gunner was probably agitated from the fact the anti-independent named his best friend there and his uh, confidant as being one of the main players exposed in all of this. And then mm -hmm. you've got, meanwhile, the, the, the governments, they had a staffer, right, it had a, a allegedly threatened Josh Burgoyne that they were trying to refer. And, and that, just made, that just seemed bizarre. He told Burgoyne, yeah, you're effing Josh Burgoyne, watch your mouth. Like a staffer told an MLA to watch yeah. the mouth outside of Parliament House. Anyway, that this was all like the same day. <laughs> like it was like 
what is going on? And, and Leah Fanacchiara, I thought, put a pretty good one. She said, it seems like the government's just in free fall at this point. Mm-hmm. They're rejecting sending that there. That was when they killed the public accounts committee. And uh, all while fighting off the scandal and the, and the, and the cover-up. So, yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta wonder what's going on with the party though. This has certainly destabilized what seemed to be a, a pretty stable labor uh, party uh, before this last couple of weeks. So now we'll see what happens. But it's getting interesting, and, and what the factions are doing. Maybe not so much the, the politicians, but the unions and the people in behind, and who's going to make a, a power play there and can get support and votes and stuff. So some some stuff's certainly brewing in labor here. It's been pretty sleepy for a while. Oh, you used the uh, optimum word there, sleepy. <laughs> uh, that was code. That yeah. was code, Leon. Cash didn't pick up on that. That's how Chris is putting his numbers behind. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you. We'll, we'll just see. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see because nothing's off the table if somebody wants to do something and soon, but. Uh, mm. yeah. Well, we'll change tack a little bit, Chris, but in a way yeah. not really because uh, the police association boss has called out the Gunner government for rejecting a call for politicians and their staffers to get drug tests on this week, how could he, calling it the greatest hypocrisy at the same time as the government's recommending the police members get tested. <laughs> this, wow. this happened. This is another thing that, that happened this week. Yeah. It actually happened. Yeah. So Gunner was put on the spot there. And a lot of things, as we said in that, that Mix 104 interview, uh, where he was grilled on things. And uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the things was, you know, with all of these allegations and that he had admitted on the, on the Sunday that he was aware of the allegations uh, of drug use on the fifth floor. Why don't you just calm everybody down here and do do drug testing, mm. random drug testing of the staffers and the politicians. But he uh, he said no, that would be uh, that would be too costly and time wasting. <laughs> unbelievable and uh, yeah, costly's never been an issue for this government. No, nah. costly's yeah. never been a consideration. Really, <laughs> this is the point. Like, I don't think I could see his face. But I know that face that he would have at that point, that where he like where he's like the deer in the headlights, and, yeah. just, and his eyes are wide, yep. and he's trying to think what lies. Think of something. Have, think of yeah, something. Yeah. What would the, yeah. And nothing's firing. No cylinders are firing. <laughs> nothing's connecting. <laughs> no synapses. Um, so so he yeah he just and and he kind of leaves it at that. Well, you know the police aren't happy about this, considering. The last time he was on talking about drugs was about how police officers, and this was the, after the cocaine cop guy yeah, yeah. who got busted for dealing coke and uh, and stealing guns or crap, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, at that time, Gunner's on, no, they all got to have cocaine tests or tests for drugs. And, and it turned out that it was like the NT was the only jurisdiction that didn't test police officers right. uh, for, for, you know, random drug testing. So, Gunner said, "No, he wanted he, he he wanted to do that. He'd be talking to the uh, uh, police association president and the police commissioner Jamie Chalker and see how they go about doing that." So, so look, yeah, today now uh, the police association president Paul McHugh came out and said, "This is this is an insult, and uh, you know perhaps the greatest hypocrisy ever." He said, "Yeah, um, how can Gunner?" 
He's, he's even, he put it like this. He said, no matter which way you spin it, there's been a significant problem in his party over the last little while. And it's been an ugly look to come out and say, he doesn't think drug testing staffers and politicians, and that it's a waste of time and costly. Uh, let's not forget. He's the guy who supports police officers being tested. Mm. We're disappointed that he doesn't think that he and his party and his parliamentarian colleagues need to be held at the same standard as the police. I think that's a poor leadership position to take. And it's quite insulting to our officers. Yep. Um, how do you argue with that? Here's the guy yeah. who needs to lead by example, right? I mean, this is the leader of the Northern Territory. He's called the leader for a reason. He needs to to step up here. And, and you look at private companies, too, that would be looking to him. Absolutely. Uh, who, who drug test their employees. And, yeah, if, if they're not leading by example, then they really have no, no, no you know, moral ground to, to criticize or do anything else on. And even if, even if they hadn't just had a week or 10 days, or two weeks, or three weeks, full of scandal, if we didn't see text messages where senior government officials were talking about drug use, Mm -hmm. even if none of that existed, just to say, well, look, the average truck driver has to get a drug test, the average worker on the factory floor has to get a drug test, why don't we just lead by example and say all businesses across the territory can introduce random drug testing and everybody's on the same playing field. Mm. Well, especially for these guys on the fifth floor, I think. Like, I, look, you, you get into some options or some issues maybe with the, the how that would run with the whole public service, but certainly parliamentarians and the fifth floor staff mm. and the fourth floor staff, so everybody works in parliament. But these are people who are, are highly paid. I mean, the, the staffers especially, like that guy, Kent Rowe, would be on over 200000 right? Mm. Like, he's just lost a really big job. But... Um, um, and some of the other ones up there. I mean, why aren't these people being tested? Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- I don't. I don't understand the argument. The argument that it's too expensive. It's like you said. Well, they're, you know, they're they're throwing money. They paid five thousand bucks for a Christmas tree. They could probably get them all <laughs> tested for under that, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it would be simple and easy. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to budge on that either, but he's just been called out for it. I'm surprised that that, that, that didn't get picked up really anywhere else. Mm-hmm. We did a story, the NT News didn't touch it today, which is interesting. Um, I think they're in their uh, uh, forgiveness phase or whatever we've done or now, begging for forgiveness <laughs> after the that. fact. So we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, look, this is a valid point, and there's no real argument for him to get out of this right now. And so... Was yeah. the CLP also, by the way, I should say that they, they jumped on board this one. They said that they would implement it. And in fact, they passed a, or they put forward a motion calling on the government to do it in Parliament. And it's one of those motions, I guess, that will put pressure on them to do it. That will come up. You know, it kind of got relegated to, to the order of business. It'll come up again at some point, though. And, and who knows, yeah. maybe a month from now or, or three months from now, maybe Gunner needs a reminder that he should be doing this and it all comes up again. So. Yeah, yep. we'll see what happens there, but yeah. Yeah. So um, going on to vicious wild dogs of a different type, um, <laughs> you, you've got a story here about actual vicious wild dogs in uh, Howard Springs by the look of it. Yeah, it was out that way. Yeah, we had some some people contact us today too about this. So, uh, yeah, the dog owners have been dealing with uh, – uh, a lot of vicious attacks, recent spate of attacks that have been documented in online forums and have, have clearly upset 
residents. Uh, you know, there's there's one story here about how uh, pancake. Yes, I was going to ask about pancake. <laughs> <laughs> how is pancake? Yeah, how is pancake? Well, <laughs> I think she's hanging in there, but she was certainly savagely attacked by three large hunting dogs, as, as her owner put it. And um, and that was last Wednesday. And so, you know, I think this was like a thing that, that she had told ABC Radio. And then all of a sudden, all these other people, you know, you got these Creek people calling in. You got a lot of people from the rural area saying, like, this has happened to me recently, too. And this has happened to us. And, and you know, they've attacked people. They've attacked uh, uh, animals, dogs, pets. Uh, so they're they're calling on on council to, to actually do something about this they're saying that there are kind of loopholes and lapses in in the uh control systems that, that the literal council has in place uh and that they can't that they can't really do anything and that there's nothing for them to do mm. or you know no way to handle this <laughs> the mayor they had the mayor uh, talking about it, marie Bredhauer, who uh who said that there are strong bylaws compliance and enforcement policies but she was unable to elaborate on the details of those bylaws and exactly how they function <laughs> uh so and then today like the messages that we've been getting from people saying like there's a lot of stuff going on here like the the council really she wasn't she really didn't know what she was talking about when she came on here to talk to this because the, the, the there is no way to handle this right now um she, you know, even she said at one point, um, uh, they can be deemed dangerous dogs. And there are certain things that we have in place for that deeming of a dangerous dog, which can include euthanizing. But when asked what the penalties for noncompliance were, you know, for keeping people away, she said that she wasn't sure. She didn't know. Um, a lot of people just saying that, uh, that, yeah, that, that there's, there's a lot going on there. Apparently, there's going to be a meeting coming up with uh gerard Maley, the member for nelson i guess mm. he's rallying some people together and they'll figure out uh exactly how they will deal with this i was trying to think if it was in the story here they were saying something about like that that the rainy weather may have led to this that oh, yeah. these animals are trying to get to higher ground and yeah. they've come out of places and um and done it that way so yeah i don't know that's that's gonna be an interesting one though because yeah these people are quite passionate about this and saying how yeah, yeah. truly terrifying frightening and dangerous it is so we're gonna look into that one a little bit more as he's progresses here and talk to some people you mentioned hunting dogs but is, is there any word on the breeds of these animals and and how it is that there are wild dogs in the rural area yes yeah, that's a good question one of the women's women said that it was a another one i think it mentioned a dingo in there too yeah i wondered that um so yeah so look 100 percent not sure about that right now but mm. uh yeah they, they've they've called them roaming dangerous dogs in the literal yeah, area yeah. so watch yeah. this space yeah we we will look into that some more because that's bizarre well finally tonight chris some good news for the territory and as you alluded to earlier, the chief was out celebrating this fact the other day, but the COVID-19 vaccines are being rolled out in the NT for frontline workers. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it did seem to get lost a little bit in there, you know, with all of the, the, the scandal, yeah. and I was in the middle of all of that on Sunday. But, yeah, this is certainly good news. And uh, what was it, 4,500, I think, doses have come up. Uh, of course, Gunner had to get his face up for that, though. That is <laughs> funny, though, right? Because I'm surprised. You know, I think that 
I wonder about that, what the balance is, what the ratio, what the threshold is for him to say, Ooh, I'm going to risk this one because it's COVID. I'm going to go do it. Or how much should he say? Like, I don't want to get asked about this scandal. So why don't you do it, Natasha? And Natasha said, I don't want to get a question about the scandal. You do it. So, but the fact that Gunnar came out for it and had to face the questions on the, uh, on the scandal was interesting, but it it is certainly good news. And he wanted his face next to it all. So we all Mm. think that it's him. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, what, what was it? 4,500. Um, 4,500 doses here in the next little bit, and that'll be up uh, up here in the Darwin area. And then I think it was Wednesday. That was on Monday that they started rolling it out at RDH. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, and then Central Australia down in Alice Springs on Wednesday, they started rolling it out. And the frontline health workers uh, were going to be the first people, including the uh, the people working the quarantine facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're saying that, that you know, Kind of the rest, rest of people won't get it until sometime the end of next month. You know, past the frontline workers would be the end of March or something that yep. before that happens. And then one of the one of the issues that came up in the story this week about that though was you had Sue Shearer on uh, on ABC saying, and she's of course with the Council on the Aging NT. She said about thirty percent of seniors are skeptical or anxious about the vaccine. Mm. Um, with some saying they don't want anything foreign in their bodies. She said, unfortunately, they've been listening to misinformation on Facebook yeah. and there's still an ignorant attitude out there about COVID. So, yeah, they're telling people get it. It's safe. They couldn't stress that enough in the press mm. release that we got. Yeah. That, you know, it's been tested. It's there. It's there's no foreigners in the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that uh, that everybody's everybody's got to take it here. The front line stuff. I mean, look, there's nothing mandatory, and that was the other thing too, though. That she said that uh, Natasha Faust said, and even for the front line workers. So I imagine most, if not all, would be taking it because they want to protect themselves. Yeah, and, and lead by example. Something the government can't do. But <laughs> we'll rely on the front line workers to do that. Mm. Um, she had said that it isn't it isn't, uh, it isn't uh, mandatory now. Um, but if other jurisdictions started to do it, they would look at that too. Mm. So, yeah, I think this is something that probably a lot of people will get on their own without it having to be mandatory. I think the PMs also mentioned that um, you'll have problems getting back into the country if you plan on travelling overseas and you don't have it. So Mm. while it isn't mandatory, they're going to kind of uh, make it sort of mandatory in another way. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. yeah, no, no real. Uh, yeah, and you would you would hope that misinformation isn't putting senior citizens at risk either, because that's yeah. terrible. They they should be getting it, yeah, staying yeah. safe. So, um, yeah, so it's here. Uh, we're happy about that. And Let me ask what this question uh, of you two fellas: hmm. uh, Would you take the vaccine? You go first, Pete. <laughs> yeah, all right. You were thinking about it, Art. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, I certainly won't be taking it at this point. Um, I'm going to wait for a while. I'm just not saying anything bad about it or that it's not going to work or whatever, but I don't want to be the first, so I'm going to wait a little while. Yeah. You won't be the first. You'll be about the millionth. Well, yeah, okay. But <laughs> this, this first uh, version of it, I don't want to – I'll just wait a while and see what happens. <laughs> I know some people who've taken it overseas already. Some senior citizens? 
<laughs> well, look, I mean, the first yeah. trial they did, 30 people died. So, um, and I know a good friend of mine's had it in the UK and he said for a week it, it really knocked him over. He felt shocking. Mm. So, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to improve it. There's no doubt about that. But if it's a difference between between life and death, yeah, I'll definitely consider it. But at this point, it's not. Yeah. And here we are in Darwin anyway, where we're insulated. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's a big rush here for that either. I mean, I don't think anybody was jumping really up and down. I mean, it's it's good and you got to protect people here, but but we still haven't had that community transmission. So, mm. you know, if, we, if we've got to roll it out here a little later and then everywhere else and they have some, make sure that, that other people maybe high-risk areas are, are taken first, this probably seems wise to me. And, and we can wait up here because we haven't done it. But then I guess, you know, people are traveling around and, we, you know, we haven't done that as a family gone out and really flown anywhere. We haven't left the NT since yeah. this thing all started. Uh, so we'll have to start doing that and we'll have to look at doing this, I think. What do you think, Leon? Yeah, what about you, mate? You going to do it? Uh, you, I, 100% I'll take it. Right. Mm. I'll take it as soon as – I mean, I don't want to jump the queue or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, when it's your but turn. As soon as uh, they say, yep, uh, okay, well, if you want to take it, it's available, I'm just going to go and take it straight away. Yeah. I, I want to get on a plane. And I was going to say, you're watch. desperate to go overseas, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is ridiculous. But that's still going to be a while, right? I mean, you're not going to be able to, or can you? I guess you could. Oh. I guess you could technically. I've heard people being able to do it. No. Yeah, take the vaccine, then you can go to nightclubs all around the world, world like Novak Djokovic, take your shirt off and dance <laughs> the night away without fear or favour. <laughs> and you, Chris? Yeah, no, I, that's what I was just saying in my explanation there of it. The, yeah, look, I don't. We're not in a big rush here to run out and get it now. I think yeah. that it needs to be elsewhere, and then we'll get it when the time's right. But um, yeah, but that being said, yeah, I mean, we do want to get around Australia a little bit more than we have, so we'll have to look at it. Well, on that note, thanks very much. It's been a very informative week. I am still quite livid and uh, <laughs> I fully uh, intend to continue pursuing this issue, Chris, because I just cannot believe that I'm living in a democracy that uh, that uh, a government can think it can just trample on. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um Let's see where we go next with this, right? Because, you know, I think there's still a few <laughs> cards up our sleeves here that <laughs> we can play. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they're going to get away with it in the end. I mean, they, surely they can't. But, you know, and then you just think about this place sometimes and what, mm. the fact that they're not taking that role seriously just diminishes everything. And it, and it, and it makes me worry about, about this place and, and it's and – it's, systems and it's yeah and, and then clearly it's systems failing the people and the democracy that it, it's sworn in to protect so um yeah we'll we, we keep going though guys and like i said we've we've got some other stuff still to roll out on on other things and other matters holding the government accountable and we'll just keep doing it i mean he can he can run and hide from us as long as he wants i guess but uh, sooner or later it'll catch up to him and in the meantime we're just going to keep doing what we do and inform territorians and, and provide those exclusive stories that, that reveal exactly what's going on in government that they won't get anywhere else. Well, on the subject of informing territorians, I want uh, the listeners to know that uh, I wrote to the Privileges Committee on the 27th of November last mm -hmm. year 
on this issue, outlining exactly what those uh, clauses in the code of conduct stated and asking them to provide me with a response as to why the government wasn't adhering to it. Crickets. Mm, got stuck in the server, I think, Leo. The snail mail server. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they've always got an excuse, don't they? Mm. Or uh, someone to blame for their mm. problems and for what they've done. So, yeah, mm. we'll keep on them. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, the Territory Story Podcast, weekend edition. Back again next week. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms or go to territorystory.com. The Territory Story Podcast, thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.